Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. If you could use only one word to describe God, what would it be? When you think about God, and you think about the creator of the universe, you think about the almighty God, there's a lot of words that you could use to describe him, right? He's almighty, maybe he's loving, he's merciful, you know, a lot of different words. He's forgiving, he's patient. There's a lot of words that we could use to describe God, to describe the God that we're reading his book, and to describe this God that we worship here this morning. But I think if you were to look at the Bible, you would find that there is one word in particular that is used and emphasized to describe our God, and that word is holy. Revelation chapter 4, verse number 8 says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. You'll notice that three times this word holy is used to describe God. When you, when you use a word, you, you know, you mean what it means, but when you say it twice, you're kind of really emphasizing that it's not just holy, it's holy, holy. Just like when you describe the weather, it, it's hot, you know? No, 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 you don't understand. It was hot, hot, you know? People understand, yeah, it was hot, like yesterday. It was raining. Yeah, no, 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 it was raining, raining, you know? When you say it like that, people understand, oh, it wasn't just raining, it was raining, raining. Imagine if somebody said, it's raining, raining, raining yesterday. People would be like, oh, okay, I get it. I mean, it's a raining like it's never rained before. Imagine this word being used to describe God as holy. He is holy, and that would be sufficient. But then it's used again. He is holy, holy. And then again, it's emphasized, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Do you get the idea that God wants us to know that he is holy? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. You know, our theme for the year is pleasing God with faith. And we're thinking about pleasing the Lord this morning in the verses. But I think it's clear we cannot please a holy God in unholiness. We cannot please a holy God without being holy ourselves. You're there in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 3. It says, But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. That word saint there is a word that I'm sure all of you, you know the word, of course, and maybe when you say the word, different people think about different things, but the word saint means holy. That's what it means. So whenever you see in the Bible, it talks about saints, it means holy. Those that are set apart, those that are sanctified. Here, the context, of course, is that believers are holy. 
They are holy because God made them holy. God saved them. They trusted in Christ as their Savior. God cleansed them from their sins, and they have been made holy. And there's a few words here that describe what doesn't fit with saints or holiness. Of course, the word sin always comes to mind. It's been said that sin is anything that we say, think, or do that displeases God. Now, I don't know if that's how God would define sin, but I think we get the idea that if we have sin, there's no way we could please God because sin displeases God. We know that it is impossible to please faith without God, but did you know that in Romans chapter 14 it says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So in a way, it's synonymously when we say pleasing God with faith, we're saying we need to please God in holiness. God tells us that we should abstain from sin, that we should live in purity. Purity and holiness in faith are necessary to please God. That's why in verse number 10, Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 10, the Bible there says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Proving what pleases God. That ought to be our heart. And this morning, I want to see why we do that. Why do believers live with the heart and mentality and idea that we should please God in holiness? The first reason is because of his love. We prove what pleases God because of God's love. If you go back to verse number one, it says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. We are to walk in the love of God as Christ also hath loved us. We talk about the love of God, and we know that God proved his love toward us. He demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God moved him to give himself, to sacrifice himself on the cross. That's what it says in verse number two, and had given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. See, God gave himself, he died on the cross so that you and I could be saved. We were the ones who sinned. We were the ones who broke the law of God. We are the ones who strayed away from the Lord. We are the ones who decided to depart from God, to embrace wickedness, to live in sin. And now the wages of sin is upon us. The wages of sin is death. Those wages are coming and God loved us so much that even though it was our fault, we were the ones who sinned. God decided, you know what, I'm going to do something for these people. These that have no way of getting themselves out of the wages of sin, I do want to do something for them. I'm going to send my son to die on the cross. We were saved from our sins because of the love of God. We were spared from eternal damnation because of Jesus Christ. Now, knowing what Jesus did and knowing how Jesus loved us, we should treat Jesus well, right? Like, that just makes sense. I mean, if Jesus loved us that much, so much so that he gave himself on the cross for us, we should be nice to him. We should be considerate of him. We should treat him well. We should love him. We should not ignore this person. We should not treat this person as just any other person in our lives. Jesus is the only one that died on the cross for your sins. Amen? Amen? 
we should have a natural desire to please him because of his love, because of his sacrifice, because of what he did. The word here, prove, means to test. It means to test what pleases God. When I, when I got married, of course, you know, me and, me and my wife now, you know, we got married, we moved in, you know, we're living together, and now uh, my wife is the one cooking the food. So, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And uh, my wife is a great cook. She loves cooking. She loves baking, and she does all these things, and especially early on in the marriage. And still so even today, she'll ask me about the food. What do you think? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Is it too salty? You know, all of these things. She asks. She wants to know. She wants to know, do I like it? She wants to know that because she loves me. She wants to do something for me, and she wants to know, do I like it or do I not like it? Now, just to be honest, my wife is a great cook, so whenever she would ask the question, do you like it? I would say, yeah, I like it. It's good. You know, I said it so many times. She's like, I don't know. You say everything is good, but I was like, it is good. Everything's good. I'll tell you when it's not good, okay? And, uh, you know, she, so she, you know, that's a natural kind of relationship when you have love. When one person loves another person, that question comes out, what do you think? Do you like it? If you love God, the natural question that comes out is, God, what do you think? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Now, what would happen if I were to say I'm allergic to gluten or something, you know? And she's like, oh, that's too bad because I really love, you know, pasta and bread and all of these things, you know. Sorry. And she just keeps on gobbling it up and making it, you know. You would say, hey, uh, you know, I, I told you, <laughs> right? You know, I can't eat it. I don't like it. I don't want it. And how would you think if she was just like, sorry, I'm just going to keep on doing it. Did you know that God cannot even look? at sin when Jesus was on the cross and took our sins your sins and my sins all those times when we rejected God when we lied when we stole when we were anger angry and had hatred when we harbored unforgiveness all of the sins that are listed in the Bible all of those things God took those sins on himself on the cross. Jesus Christ bore your sins when he was dying on the cross. And the Bible says that when Jesus was there on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The father had to turn away from the son. Why? Because of sin. He loved the son. But because of sin, he had to turn his face away. Isaiah chapter 59, verse number 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between your, you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. That's how God views sin. I had a friend in, in Bible college, and uh, uh, at the time he was dating, but uh, now they're married, and they have a couple kids, but he was married to somebody who was allergic to peanuts, right? And I'm sure that, you know, we... 
you might know somebody who's allergic to peanuts and different things like that. And I thought, you know, allergy to peanuts is, yeah, I mean, you're allergic to peanuts, you know, you can't eat that, right? But he was describing that her allergy was more severe. It was so severe that she couldn't have peanuts in the room. So when she would fly on an airplane, I don't really think anybody serves peanuts anymore, but she would have to let the flight attendants know, I'm so allergic to peanuts that we can't have peanuts on the flight. Just somebody opening a package of peanuts and having the peanut aroma would set her allergy off. That's how allergic that she was. And I had never heard of this before, and I thought, wow, that sounds terrible. <laughs> you can't even be in the room. You can't be anywhere near it. Now imagine that this friend of mine gets married and finds out, oh, she's allergic to peanuts. Not only is she allergic to peanuts, she's so allergic to peanuts, she can't even be in the room. Man, that's too bad, because I love peanuts. <laughs> and imagine they get married, and everything's fine for a little while. And then my friend suddenly has a hankering for, man, I just need to have some peanuts. So goes out, buys some peanuts, brings them home, opens it up, and starts eating them. And his wife walks into the room and is like, what is that? These are peanuts, dear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what are you doing with those peanuts? Sorry, honey. I just, I just love peanuts so much, and I couldn't, I couldn't help it. So I just, I'm just going to eat it, okay? Don't worry about it, okay? Imagine if he were like, what's the big deal? I, I've been avoiding peanuts this whole year. Can I have peanuts just one time? What's the big deal? I'm just, I just, I love peanuts and I just want to have these peanuts. This is one time, just one time. Isn't that okay? I mean, I do it 364 days out of the year for you. This one day, can I just have this day to enjoy by myself? We would all know the foolishness of that statement, right? Because peanuts are an abomination to her. <laughs> she can't look at it. She can't be around it. She can't eat it. She can't participate in it. She doesn't want to be anywhere around it. And if you're married to a person like that, and you bring peanuts into the home, you're making her make a choice. Right? There's somebody that she loves holding something that she hates. The question, of course, we have to ask is, do you love her, right? Do you love her? Hey, buddy, do you love this person that you married? You can't keep on eating peanuts and then wonder, I wonder where my wife is. I haven't seen her for a little while. Where's my wife? I know she says she doesn't like peanuts, but come on, you know, I've, I haven't seen her for a little while. You know, we're surrounded by sin and tolerance of every wicked thing. And it makes, us, makes it easy for us to just think that it would be okay because everybody else is doing it. That it's okay because it's just a little bit. That it's okay because it's not a big sin. But the big question is, do you want to please God? 
And if God has that kind of reaction to sin, we've got to make a choice in everyday living. We prove what pleases God because God loved us. Because of God's love, we ought to love him in return. And that causes us and moves us to prove what is acceptable to God. God, do you like this? God, do you like how I'm living? God, do you like what I'm doing? God, do you like what I'm saying? God, do you like what I'm thinking? Because of God's love. We prove what pleases God because of God's light. In verse number five, it says, For this ye know. This is just a phrase in passing, but this is important. Paul is saying, you know. This thing that I'm about to tell you, I know that you know it already. That no whoremonger, nor unclean per person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So Paul is writing to this church and he's saying, I know that you know these things, but I'm going to say it anyway, right? Sometimes you have to say these things, right? I know you know, but I'm going to say it again anyway. Paul is saying, I know that you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway, that there is judgment that comes upon sin. Because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Disobedience brings judgment. Breaking God's law brings consequences. And I know that you know this already, so don't do it, right? Because we already know these things, right? We should not sin because sin has consequences. Verse number seven, be not ye therefore partakers with them. You know that judgment comes upon sin and those that disobey, so don't do it. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. He is saying, when you were lost, you were in darkness. You didn't know. You couldn't see. You were blind. But when you trusted Christ as your Savior, the spiritual light came on and now you can see. Now that you can see, walk like you can see. Okay? Paul is saying they have a different way, they have a different work, and there is wrath coming because of these things. You know these things, so don't do it. There's a term that is used to describe a situation, and it's the word blindsided, right? You ever been blindsided by something? All right, blindsided has the idea of something's coming, but you have no idea that it's coming, right? Sometimes it's used in sports. There's an athlete trying to, you know, score a touchdown or something, and they got blindsided by somebody that just came running across the field, and they had no idea they were coming, and they just got smacked, right? They, they got blindsided. Sometimes people can get blindsided by financial situations. They got blindsided by how a friend treated them. They can get blindsided by, you know, a situation in the office. I thought for sure I was going to get the promotion, and somebody came in, you know, and I I had no idea. I got blindsided. I remember when I was in the youth group, we, uh, our, our youth director would take us and we would do different activities. And I have no idea why this was the activity. And I don't think we would ever do this as an activity. But the activity was hide and seek in the dark in a park. Okay? 
Now, I don't know why this was the activity, but this was the activity, okay? So we had our youth group. We split up into two groups. And in the middle of this, it was a pretty nice park, pretty big park. There was this huge, you know, playground structure, right? You know, the jungle gyms and slides and all of that. This is a huge thing. It's like, you know, two stories tall. It's this enormous structure. And it's like kind of in the middle of the park, right? So, you know, we split up into two teams. One team would stay at the playground structure and the other team would go hide. And the goal was that you were to try to make it to the playground structure without getting tagged right, by the other team, right? So, you know, they, they count off or whatever, everybody runs off into, you know, there's little wooded areas and bushes and different things that people are trying to hide and So we're all scattered, right? So I, I go off and I'm, you know, I'm trying to hide, I'm hiding behind these trees and bushes and things like that. And, you know, at first, you know, the other team, you know what they do, right? They all stand around the playground structure because that will be foolish to just run away and then suddenly everybody comes in, right? But after a while, they're like, all right, you know, okay. And, you know, they start to, to venture off. One poor fella had uh, those shoes that light up in the dark, you know? And uh, so everyone's like, there he is. There's John. He's going over there, you know? Let's not worry about him. We know where he is, you know? And I was like, oh, man, this is the one day where, you know, everybody thought, oh, yeah, that's so cool. But today, no, not cool at all. But anyway, you know, we're running around and stuff like that. I'm hiding. And uh, it's been a little while, so now, uh, you know, the other teams, you know, scattered around. They're trying to hunt for us now, right? They're not just satisfied to sit and, and wait for us. And uh, I saw my opening. And so I made, I made a run for it. And so I popped out behind the tree, and I'm booking it for the playground structure, you know? And it's a good distance. It's, I don't know, maybe 100, 150 feet or whatever. It's pretty far, but, you know, I'm pretty fast. At least that's what I thought. And so I'm pretty fast. And I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm running. And, uh, you know, uh, somebody is, you know, shining a light. Hey, there he is. You know, there's somebody over there, you know, and they're, they're chasing after me. And I'm running, and I'm almost there. I'm pretty close. I'm, like, maybe 30, 40 feet away. And I remember just suddenly running and running, and then the next instant, I'm on the ground. My first instinct was, did I just hit a tree? Like, how did I, what just happened here? And I was running and running, and something hit me in the face, and I got knocked to the ground. My glasses are somewhere, you know, and I have no idea what's going on, you know. Of course, somebody runs over and says, all right, gotcha, you know. And, uh, and you know, I, I get up, and I'm, oh, where are my glasses, you know. And I stand up, and I, I'm trying to find, what in the world did I hit? What I hit was a volleyball net, okay? So in the darkness, I could not see this volleyball net. Now, the reason I couldn't see the volleyball net is not because I was blind, but because it was dark. Now, in broad daylight, I 100% would have seen the volleyball net and not run right into it, right? In fact, if, I, if it were broad daylight and I still ran into it, you would be like, Richard, what were you thinking? And you might even ask the question, are you blind? <laughs> right? It's right there. Like, you couldn't see that? Why did you run right into it? Now, it's understandable if in darkness, you might run into something like that because it's dark, you can't see. But if it's broad daylight, you should be able to see. You ever seen somebody run into something because they were texting on their phone? 
right? Run into a pole, run into something, trip over something, you know, people get so absorbed into their phones. You just kind of have to laugh at it. Like, ah, you know, it's right there. You can see it easily, but you weren't looking. You weren't looking around. It's kind of embarrassing even. What God is saying is, if you're saved, if you trusted Christ as your savior, you are light and you are in the light. Things are not in darkness anymore. You are in the light. God made you light, and God gave you light. Meaning, you can see what's coming. God is saying there is wrath coming from sin. You know that. You know the wages of sin is death. You know that hell is coming. You know that there are consequences for sin. So what God is saying is, don't do it. I mean, you could see it coming. God gave us light so that we would understand. I, if I get on this road of sin, I know what's coming, so I'm just not even going to get on that road. James chapter 1, verse 14 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. God says, I'm illuminating your eyes. If you give in to temptation, you sin, that's what sin is. Sin brings death. Do not err, my bro beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Sin does not bring the goodness and blessings of God. Sin brings death. Verse number nine of Ephesians five says, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. We know the fruit of the Spirit because Galatians chapter 5 tells us what they are. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So what kind of fruit do you want in your life? Do you want the fruit of love or do you want the fruit of hatred? Do you want the fruit of joy or the fruit of sadness? Do you want the fruit of peace or the fruit of war and conflict? Do you want the fruit of long-suffering or impatience or anxiety? Do you want the fruit of gentleness or harshness, goodness or evil, faith or fear, meekness and temperance or lacking self-control? What kind of fruit do you want to have in your life? I think we would all say, yeah, I want the fruit of love. I want the fruit of joy. I want the fruit of peace. I want the fruit of long-suffering. I want all of these things. That's why God says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Go to God and prove what pleases Him. Because what displeases Him is sin. And sin brings forth death. I remember when I got COVID. Right? Many of you have had COVID. And uh, some of you had it. My wife and I, we were pretty sick. And just to be honest, I didn't actually think it was, it was COVID until uh, one of our kids got a test back and it came back positive. And we were like, oh no, she tested positive for COVID. Maybe that's what we have. And so I did the first thing that was the most natural thing to me. I took a scented candle and I stuck it in my wife's face. Because you know, COVID, you lose your sense of smell, right? And so I said, hey, honey, can you smell this? And she, she was still waking up. And so she, she smelled it. I was like, no, I can't smell it. I was like, oh no, you have COVID. <laughs> and then I smelled it and I couldn't smell anything. I said, oh no, 
I have COVID. I have COVID. You have COVID. We all have COVID. And one of the symptoms or one of the effects of COVID was you lost your sense of smell. Okay? So I lost my sense of smell. Some people lost it for a very, very long time. Some people lost it, like, not really at all. Uh, me and my wife, I think we lost our sense of smell for, like, maybe three, four weeks. After about three or four weeks, it really started to come back. And so now it's back now. But it was very strange, right? If you lost your sense of smell, it was, like, very strange for a while because all of the things that you would drink and enjoy, uh, it just kind of became very odd and unusual. And so I knew that I couldn't smell or taste anything. But as you know, I love coffee. And so what you do is you wake up and you drink a cup of coffee. And I drank a cup of coffee, and I was like, is this coffee? It just tastes like warm water. You know water doesn't have a flavor at all? I, I put this thing and I made the coffee and I couldn't taste anything. It was just very, very odd, right? I couldn't taste sweet and, uh, you know, sour, any of those things. The only thing that I could taste was salty. And so every single food, because that's the only thing I could taste, everything tasted salty. And so it didn't matter if it was salty or not, it tasted salty. Um, but for a couple of weeks, you know, we were just, you know, it really didn't matter what we were eating because we couldn't taste it, you know. But, you know, our kids are there, they could taste things. So we want to at least, you know, by memory, you know, make things that we knew that they would like. But, you know, we, we lost our sense of smell. And, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't go out, we weren't grocery shopping. Uh, some of our church family graciously brought a few things we appreciated that we ordered pizza one time you know we did some of those kinds of things i remember after one of the meals that we ate you know me and my wife we ate it and my wife and i we, we you know this was a couple weeks later you know we we didn't really have any effects from the COVID or anything like that just our sense of smell and we got really sick and I, I was talking to my wife, you know, I was really not feeling good at all after eating this food. And then, you know, I talked to my wife, she was not feeling good at all. And, you know, it was just, it was a bad experience. We felt pretty sick that day. My wife and I came to the conclusion, we ate something that had spoiled, but had no idea that it had spoiled because we couldn't smell it and we couldn't taste it. Now it looked fine, it felt fine, it sounded fine, but we couldn't taste it or smell it in any way. And so we ate it because we didn't know. Now, if you eat spoiled food, you know what's gonna happen, right? The consequences are coming, right? Now, if I could smell it and if I could taste it, you know what we do? We spit it out. You know why we spit it out? Because we know if we eat it, you know what's going to happen to you. You're not going to like it. Now, here's the thing. God is saying, okay, before when you were lost, you couldn't see. You, you didn't have access to spiritual senses. So you would just eat and consume and have no idea why consequences are coming. Why is this happening? Because of sin. That's why. But when you get saved, now you can see, now you can smell, now you can taste, now you can test things. And when you test things, you can know, hey, you know what? This is not good, and I know the consequences that come from something not good. So I'm not going to do it. 
Romans chapter 6 says, For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You used to live in sin because you were lost. When you were lost, you could, you could do all of those things. But the fruit of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and becoming servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know why we prove what pleases God? Because God has given to us light. He says, you know why I hate sin? Because sin brings death. That's why I don't want you to sin. When you get saved, now you can see, and God says, now that you can see, don't do it. Don't participate in it. I've given to you the word that is a lamp unto your feet. I've given to you spiritual illumination. Now you have the Holy Spirit, and now you can see and understand these things. We prove what pleases God because of his love, because of his light, and because of his leading. In verse number 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not ye unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. In verse number 15, when it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, that word for circumspectly has the idea of watch your step. Walk circumspectly means watch your step. Be careful. Be precise with your steps. Walk circumspectly means don't just go with the flow. Don't just be, you know, walking, you know, just wherever, just wandering around. Choose your steps carefully. A couple of years ago, there's a documentary about a rock climber. His name is Alex Honnold. And Alex Honnold is a rock climber. He's one of the best in the world. And uh, he's the kind of guy that will plan his entire life around rock climbing, right? He didn't own a place, he bought a van. And he would live in the van. And he would take this van and he would drive it to wherever rock climbing season was. So in the summertime, you know, he would be here and there. You know, he'd go up to Yosemite and climb in Yosemite for, I don't know, a couple weeks, couple months. But then obviously it would get colder and so he would move to warmer climates and move here and there and, and just drive around in the van. He would do that, that's how he would live. And Alex is one of the best rock climbers in the world. He did something that had never been done before. He did something where he climbed El Capitan in Yosemite, okay? It's like this 3,000 foot, you know, rock face that he climbed, right? Now, he's not the first to climb it. People have climbed it before. And you know rock climbing, right? Rock climbing is, you know, you see these people, they have the little clips, they have the rope and stuff, and there's two of them, they go up together and they clip things in and, all, you know, you, you've seen rock climbing. Alex is a different kind of a guy where he, he does that too, but he does something called free soloing, which is he climbs without a rope, right? And so he'll climb these rock faces with nothing. He just climbs it and all he's got are his shoes, his hands, and a bag of chalk. And he'll just climb all the way up the mountain, you know? Which of course, as you know, is uh, very dangerous because if you slip, you're dead. So he had been dreaming about climbing El Capitan in that way. And every year he said, no way, there's no way I'm doing that. That's, look at it, <laughs> you know. But every year he had it as a goal. So one day 
you know, after years and years and years of training. And he would train for this, you know. He would take all of his equipment, go over there, and he would climb, and he would map out not just the way that he would go, he would map out the exact way that he would go with every hand and every finger and every foot in exactly every crack. He would climb and then he would come down and he could visualize in his mind climbing like a hundred feet in a row, just every single little move along the way. And he would do that year after year. He, he was just, you know, training and planning for this thing until eventually one day, I think in 2017, he went up there and he climbed El Capitan without a rope. 3,000 straight feet in the air, four hours it took him to get to the top. That's incredible. And it's something I would never even think about even trying, right? But if you're going to be Alex and you're going to be climbing, you're not just going to go up and be like, well, I hope it, I make it to the top. You're going to be like Alex, which is, you know what? I have to know every single step along the way because I don't want to get up there and be like, I hope this works. You don't want to be a thousand feet up in the air and thinking, I hope it works. Maybe it'll be okay. I'm sure it'll be fine. Right? That's not how you would approach rock climbing without a rope. Right? You would think, I have to know for sure that this works. And he did it so much that he knew exactly where he was going to put every hand, every finger, every toe, all the way up along the way. Thousands and thousands of little steps along the way. The word here for circumspect means with exactness. Imagine you're living life as a climber on a mountain with no rope. You would want to make every decision precise because one wrong move could send you to your death, right? The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. If we treated this verse the same way Alex treated a rock knowing one wrong move will kill me. One wrong move would bring me death. We would be more serious about our Christian life. We would be a little bit more concerned about making sure every choice and every decision that we make is the right move. Not just, ah, whatever. Ah, see, everybody else is doing it. I'm sure it'll turn out fine. Don't worry about it. When we're dealing with things that bring death, we treat it very seriously, right? One cancer cell is treated very seriously because we know cancer brings death. So we want to get rid of it. If you walked into your doctor's office and he said, I got bad news, you have cancer, but don't worry about it, it's just a little bit. You would say, I don't want a little bit, I want none of it. <laughs> I want zero. I don't want any of it. You would think, doctor, a little bit is not okay, right? The wages of sin is death. When you go back to verse number three, now when you consider all of these things, 
God's leading away from death into life, God's life that he's given to you, and the love that he has, it makes more sense now when he says, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as becometh saints. Holiness and sin do not go together. Pleasing God and sin cannot be in the same space at the same time. Once sin enters, pleasing God leaves. When you please God, sin has left. There's no two ways about it. That's why Paul says, let it not be once named among you. If we're going to please God, we've got to have this attitude. Let it not be once. You know how we can have that kind of attitude? Just looking to God and understanding, wow, look at God's love. Look at the light that he's given to me because he's trying to lead me away from death and into life.